Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello everybody, welcome to the Walk Culture Gaming Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Tilford, joined by James Dowse. Hello. And Josh Brown. Hello, fellas. Hello. Now, we thought we'd do a bit of a, a wrap-up, a bit of a roundup, uh, whatever term I want to use for the first two years of the generation so far, because we are winding down for the end of the year. And there were a few things that I wanted to touch on. There were going to be potential overall angles for this podcast, i.e. the technical performance of Pokemon, because oh dear God, we'll get back there. The technical performance of Sonic as well. Um, and a bit of a conversation on PlayStation sequels coming out of God of War Ragnarok and some of the different tenets that I feel that like they're relying on as a brand and some of the crossover and some of the homogeneity that's kind of emerging um, from the likes of Horizon and God of War uh, Ragnarok, which made me think we might as well just do an overall two years in thing and we can touch upon this and then we'll uh, we'll keep going from there. So I want to do an open question, see what you guys think. Are either of you or both of you happy with the generation so far? Yes. Good. Yes. Same. And please, we're all on the same yeah. page. I, really I could be happier, yeah. but I'm <laughs> yeah. happy enough. That's exactly it, right? I definitely could be happier, <laughs> but I'm always going to compare it to the start of the previous generation around 2013 mm. into 2014 in how barren that felt for me okay. personally, because mm. we had some good games coming out at the time, but no generation-defining titles IMO in the first two years. Two years of that console cycle this time around, well, as we're you going to get to, though. Yes. I do think we have some generation-defining titles already in some that I absolutely rave about. Because I, I'm a Mr. I thought the, con- the last generation of consoles came out the end of 2013. Yes, so yes. I'm comparing right. the end of 2013 to the end of 2015. Yeah. So the end of okay. 2015, we had Witcher 3, Fallout 4, Metal Gear 5, etc. Which, I, for me, that was that is leagues above where we are now. It's a great to year. Me. It's a great year. Mm-hmm. And I would argue that we're going to get that year next, next year. year yeah. That's what they said about this been, <laughs> That's true. But we have been delayed a lot with COVID. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, this really kind of wonky start where the machines haven't really been readily available mm-hmm. until literally right now as we record this podcast. 2015 was an excellent year. Don't get me wrong. But t- the end of 2013 into 2014 wasn't all that impressive for myself personally. Yes, you still no, had I some agree. interesting games. But I look at this year in particular and some of the games that we have have received, you know, Elden Ring, God of War Ragnarok, mm. for me, Immortality. And to me, all of those games do go toe-to-toe with the stuff that came out in 15. You know, your Witcher 3s, your Metal Gear Solid 5s. There's quality across the board is all I'm saying. And I'm not here to argue that this year is better than 2015. No. But I will still say that even if it's a contender 
we're in a good spot. I feel like the 2015 was like the year that the last generation really kicked in. Like Bloodborne was 2015, like for the last gen. And like I said, like Witcher 3 was a landmark moment and Fallout 4 and like, there was a bit divisive Fallout 4, but you still had like, like I said, Metal Gear Solid 5 and stuff like that. Whereas this year, you've still kind of got things that are leaning on the past generation. But that's like a weird thing for this gen of consoles that there's so much crossover, like even Elden Ring, even God of War, even Horizon are all on PlayStation 4 or the previous gen or whatever. And I think that does kind of stick out. That's the thing that I mean about being happier. I would rather like there was something where it's like buy a new console to play this that's absolutely true and you know what last time we did this check-in when it was a year after the mm. consoles released i was very defensive of the fact that it's going to be fine we've got um exclusives to come and we've already had some like ratchet and clang like demon souls mm. like your beloved return my beloved return <laughs> which i'm definitely gonna <laughs> harp on about so much in this podcast yeah. however i am more negative on it a year from that podcast because it has definitely slowed down this year and the big three sony exclusives for instance have all been cross-platform and i don't feel mm. like we We've got a standout um, title that has been a next-gen exclusive in this year, and that is a shame, and that's an area that I could be happier in. Mm-hmm. Exclusive-wise, uh, come like PlayStation of the past two years, what did PlayStation have in 2013 to 15? Did they have, they had Knack? They had Knack, <laughs> they had... They fired out the gates with Knack, and that was yeah. the thing. They had the launch lineup, which was like Infamous Second Son. They had yes. Knack, they had Kills on Shadowfall. Um, 2014 was infamously a barren year, where PT was Game of the Year, yeah. um, because there was so very little going on there. And then 2015 was the fired out the gates, here's everything. On PlayStation side, it was Bloodborne. Yeah. And Uncharted, um, I think. Was uh, yeah. Uncharted was 2016 yeah. for Uncharted 4, but... Um, yeah, yeah, but like yeah. still, like you still had stuff that like, I mean, 2015 was like the year of the third parties. Yeah. Because then Charted 4 was 2016 along with Titanfall yes. 2 and blah, blah. But like uh-huh. still, it was that idea of like, okay, we've had one year to prep, one year firing out the gates. Because the whole thing in the last gen was um, that general assumption that consoles were done. The PC was the way forward or everything and everything. And obviously the consoles sold really well. So loads of different publishers and devs went, oh, we should probably make some games. Yeah. And then turn them all around or put ports back onto consoles, etc. Um, and I still feel like we're waiting for that to happen with this gen. But I feel like there's a weird, cautious feeling around it. Or there was across the last couple of years of how many people can actually get access to the systems and things like that. There was a statistic you had this morning, Josh, about um, God of War. Yes, it was uh, on Games Industry Biz. They reported that God of War Ragnarok sales, which have obviously you know outpaced the predecessor at the moment, mm. uh, only 18% of the box sales in the United Kingdom uh, were on PlayStation 4, with the other 82% coming on PS5, which is a mighty disparity and to mm. me indicates that we are getting to the point where you know games like that don't necessarily need the PS4 to survive. Like it's cool that they're on there for now, but the the the, the hit in sales isn't going to be as massive as maybe many had feared. You know, this time last year when we were worrying about will there be enough PS5s out there mm. to hit the demand for a game like God of War if it only comes out on totally. the next gen machines, which is obviously what they were scared of, and that's yeah. why they, they maintained having a PlayStation 4 version or whatever. And I guess it started as a PS4 game. But if you're saying this all about PlayStation, what about Xbox, where that just didn't have anything at mm. launch for Xbox One or Series X? <laughs> um, this... Well, I was going to say something. Just, it's it's funny that when we talk about... The, I just asked the question of, like, are we happy with the generation so far? And we end up edging it back into PlayStation because yes, they have the most conversations yeah. around them. Obviously, they have market dominance. Um, fast, you know, like, chased by Nintendo, but still, um, Xbox are such a non-entity in this generation or the last one. And Nintendo obviously have come back extremely strong, but their generation overlaps weirdly because theirs kind of started in 2017 with the Switch. But still, I think the fact that PlayStation dominates so many conversations is kind of fascinating in itself. Yeah, 100%. Like, Microsoft 
Microsoft absolutely needs to up their game in 2023, and Phil Spencer has already come out and admitted that he himself is disappointed with the output exclusively mm. for the Xbox in this year. You know, he said, yes, we should have had more first-party stuff out. If you look at the amount of studios that they own, <laughs> they have so many things in the oven, but very little on people's plates mm. at this moment in time, and I hope that 2023 really kickstarts that for them, where we get the likes of Starfield, when we get Redfall, when we get, you know, hopefully Fable, More hopefully Fable. whatever the coalition is working on, hopefully mm. that Obsidian game, I think it's called Avowed, or the Outer yes, Worlds 2, stuff like that. I mm. bet you said all of this last year. Oh, I did, which is why <laughs> it's so disappointing, man, isn't it? James, I think... Otherwise, I was going to say that's the thing. When we did this last year, or we did very similar conversations last year. Maybe not the exact same uh, headline, uh, podcast title-wise. We did have a, the, the that was the whole thing of like 2022 is when it's all going to kick in. We're going to yeah. have all these different things, and it's like, yeah, hopefully, like I mean, it's not. I honestly think this year has been brilliant. If you line up all yeah. the games yeah. this year, it's stellar. It's just that there hasn't really been a. Um, the new generation starts here moment. We haven't really had that. So I'm, maybe that's next year. I'm sick of saying this about Microsoft, man. For the past <laughs> five years, it feels like when they bought, you know, like Double Fine and stuff, mm. it was like, well, now they've got more teams. They'll start releasing more exclusives. And then they just never came. You know, they bought Bethesda uh, and all of the developers that work for Bethesda. And then the next two Bethesda games were Sony exclusives. <laughs> you know, there was Ghostwire Tokyo and it was um, Deathloop. And yes, they, are, they have come to Xbox. Mm -hmm. But these deals... Uh, you know, take a lot of time to bear fruit. Just because you might have 30 developers that you've gone out and bought doesn't mean that they have 30 games ready for you. You know, you're looking yeah. at four or five years oh, dev totally, time. Yeah. And I, f I hope now, after saying this for so long, we've gone past that four or five year dev time and they have something to show for it. I mean, mm. at least we know they literally have something to show for it when it comes to Bethesda titles next year. And I just hope that kind of like trickles down across the board and it's, we start getting more uh, frequent releases from them. Mm. One of the best things we got from Bethesda, though, so far is all of their back catalogue on Game Pass. Yes. yes. And they're all updated. Like, I'm fairly certain Skyrim was updated for, like, 60 frames a second or yes. whatever. Give the like, Air Edition or whatever the hell yeah, they call exactly. it. Yeah, exactly. Like, all of the games, you can play them better than any other console. Mm -hmm. But that's all they have, a backlog. That's that thing. I mean, I was going to... We should do a whole thing. Oh, no, but, but let me do the other stuff I was going to do. We'll get back to the state of each company. So I kind of want to break down each company. I do think that, um, yeah, the Xbox side of things is just hilarious how little there is to really focus on other than Game Pass. Um, but they have nailed that side of it. But we'll, we'll wrap back around to that stuff because I was going to talk about um, things that defined a generation. I feel like previous gen, uh, eighth generation, it was all about, you know, bugs and glitches and, oh my God, the state of these games. Assassin's Creed Unity kicked it off in 2014. And then we just had mess up after mess up after mess up um, and just games that were releasing in completely broken states. And obviously one of the most recent ones, and again, this is cross-gen, was Cyberpunk 2077. And then very recently, we've had Sonic and Pokemon who have both released. Sonic's an enjoyable game. I've like, I've like almost 100%. I've almost got the platinum in it and I've had a lot of fun with it. But parts of it are unacceptable. The, the amount of popping in it. At some point, I think you have to draw a line and just say this is unacceptable in 2022. Like this <laughs> basic rendering of crates in the sky and it can't manage that. I mean, just give the devs the time they need or whatever it is to get that turned around. And then Pokemon Scarlet and Violet is obviously far, far worse where even just basic, you can't even, I mean, I have Violet even trying to rotate the camera, the, the um, frame rate lags and the, uh, the map in the corner that's supposed to rotate with you chugs. Like <laughs> just basic, basic, basic stuff. Um, and then obviously there's uh, been hilarious glitches that have come up across the weekend of just um, everything, you know, Pokemon taking off and flying through the sky or whatever various things have happened. So um, what do you guys think of that sort of like technical side of gaming? How much of it is accepted and how much should we push back? Can I just say still? with Pokemon, yes. I am so happy that that's a broken mess. <laughs> 
How I, it deserves it. It yeah, deserves to be broken for the uh, game freak to actually acknowledge what they're doing. See, this is this is an interesting conversation because a lot of people are just saying, "What the hell, Game Freak?" But I don't well, blame it's Pokemon Company as well. Yes, but I also still think it's Nintendo. Like, I still think that okay. if you're set, if you're setting annual release dates, assumedly no part of that is on the dev side because that is that. And Pokemon is a whole industry unto itself. There are like entire toy lines and animes that rotate around that central cog of the game. Isn't it all to do with the anime though? I'm fairly certain that is always on a bi-yearly. Um, schedule with well, the exactly. new gen, so the game has to be out in time for the series. To come yeah, out. totally. That's, yeah. that's why I think that's a publisher decision. I think that's Nintendo, uh, like, at the top, saying we need this to release because we have all these other things that are going to come right, out. Okay. Right, okay. That's just my thoughts. I, I definitely see a lot of people going, like, what the hell, Game Freak? Because there are just certain mm-hmm. basic aspects that are just undercooked. But I think, I mean, that, that's the thing. We've never actually seen them do a three to five year turnaround. They've always had something else next year, next year, next year. Uh-huh. And so, I don't know, like, I, for me, it's a Nintendo problem. Okay. Um, or it could be Pokemon Company. I didn't know how much of a, um, I don't know, what, like a hold of the Pokemon series they have. Mm. I didn't think it was a full 100%. Maybe not. I'm just that, that general assumption of publishers set deadlines, which is like yeah. we've seen across the board, um, mostly in Western companies, and obviously the different like states of games that release mm-hmm. because they've just been cut off and been told, like, whatever you've got, we'll just ship it and we'll patch yeah. it later. And that's what Pokemon felt like. It was just this unabashedly broken mess mm-hmm. um, that just is unacceptable, especially from what, literally the highest grossing franchise of all time. Yeah. Like, yeah. What, what are you doing? It's the, funny. I was just going to say, it's funny how it's always from the most highest grossing franchises of all time because they have so much to lose if they yeah. don't get a game out, for instance. You yeah. know, like that. that is the franchise that is bringing in the mo- the bulk of the money. So you need to make sure there is one out every year. You need to make sure it is working factory-like to the point where it doesn't matter about the quality of the games. It's just about getting the game out in yeah. any form so people can buy it. And in many cases, it'll break sales records regardless of whether it is good or bad. Mm. But ultimately, that will take its toll on the developers. It'll take its toll on fans who get ultimately burnt out and then stop buying it in droves. And it's like, how long can you push? How long can you burn the candle at both ends <laughs> yeah. while the candle extinguishes. One of the most interesting things for me was Game Freak have less staff now than they did when the first Pokemon came out. Right, and even then, they are turning around this year three games. Like, yeah. two of them are the same but with different sets of Pokemon, but they also had Pokemon Arceus earlier this year. It's exactly the same as Ubisoft turning around Assassin's Creed Unity and Rogue in the same year. And we all jumped on them and said, what the hell? Yeah. And people have said, what the hell, in regards to the, present- uh, the presentation of this, but it's not what the hell Nintendo, what the hell Pokemon Company, yeah. it's what the hell Game Freak. I'm like, they're the guys that are doing as much as they can, assumedly. It reminds me of, I'm, I'm going to go on a tangent right now, but it reminds me of the Walking Dead TV show, right? Because a little history for you guys, <laughs> if you don't don't know and if you're listening right that first season came out with six episodes for AMC and was a smash hit mm. broke a viewing records everyone was tuning in a huge success by all metrics and then naturally you would think you would think that season two will bear the fruits of that success will yeah. be bigger yeah. will be better will be more expensive not what happened AMC yeah. instead doubled the episode count slashed the budget in half and said <laughs> you know why don't we just wring more money out of this? If it's a success, why don't we just make it cheaper, cut costs, and people will continue to come to the show? Obviously, that didn't really happen, and the show's quality suffered, but they still made money. It reminds me of this situation in the gaming world as well, Mm. where they have a franchise, and it's like, well, it's a success, so how, instead of reinvesting that money to make the the game's better or more creative or whatnot, it's like, well, how can we actually take money away from it but <laughs> maximize our output? It's such a well, sinister 
kind of like way to do business, but totally. Like I mean, remember when um, <clears throat> when Rockstar were making GTA 4, they had to make a whole new game engine, so they made the Rage engine. It was the Rockstar Advance game engine, yep. and that took so long that they put the table tennis game out because it was like, well, we've done all this tech, this R and D, we might as well monetize the process, so they put the table tennis game out. I think that's the same thing they've done when um, they were aiming for Scarlet and Violet and all that, like all the new uh, gameplay systems that are in Arceus. That Arceus is the offshoot. That's the thing. That was that's the, the experiment. Table tennis, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's the right. table tennis, and then they sort of like put that out of the start of the year and everyone looked at our case and went that looks rough as hell yeah. um, but it still looks better than Scarlet and Violet um, especially in terms of textures and everything but they're monetizing every step of that process because like you said they can just ring it even more and we've had 25 years of annual releases like <laughs> yeah. across multiple generations and this is one of the hardest generations to develop for yeah. and it's just I just think it's it's ridiculous <laughs> like, how are you not getting Sonic and Pokemon right like yeah. at this stage <sighs> Pokemon had uh, Pokemon Colosseum, I yep. want to say, on the GameCube. Mm -hmm. And that was a best, that was one of, in my opinion, the best 3D Pokemon games. Mm -hmm. Why has it gone backwards in 20 years <laughs> since then? Like, why is it not as good as that? Well, that's the thing. I'd say that's like this weird thing about they're locked into this annual cycle. And it's like, even the new Pokemon that are in this one, obviously, there's a whole thing every year about the new stars and the new Pokemon and whatever. Even the new ones that are in here, no one's really talking about. Well, like, even the Flamingo. There's a flamingo. There's a flamingo. There's a green cat. Like it's just you know they've all got terrible names. It's like, just a flamingo. That is a flamingo. There's yeah. nothing to it. They don't have like a wonky beak or anything. It's just a flamingo. <laughs> they started doing the, the pigeons. They're just literally pigeons. To be fair, we had seal. We had seal. We started. That and was muck. one of 151 though. And like muck. Muck back in the day. Um, but still, like, there's that whole sort of thing of like, what the hell are you guys doing? It's yeah. like I would love them to take a minute, um, because the general consensus with Scarlet and Violet is that the gameplay loops are great and the innovations they've got for an open world Pokemon game are great. It just runs like hell. Um, and I've only played the first like hour or so. I've not even in, I'm not even into the full open world yet. I haven't unlocked the uh, legendary to travel around in, but you can see the, the potential of it. It just looks mm -hmm. like hell. Like all the backgrounds um, environments, everything just looks terrible. So yeah, stuff like that is dumb. Did you see all the stuff on Twitter where it was all the reviewers are saying that it's a step in the right direction? Yes. And then the last game also was a step in the right <laughs> direction. It's always been a step in the right direction since like 2010. Well, right. that's the thing. Like, I, mean, I remember when, uh, years ago, when the idea of an open world Pokemon leaked, it wasn't Scarlet and Violet. It was something that, um, it ended up becoming Sword and Shield because it was like the first one on Switch. And it was like this general idea of it'll be Skyrim style, like an open world where you'll be able to see all the Pokemon at this great, gorgeous world of living Pokemon. And you just get to live in that world. Kind of like Pokemon Go if it was like rendered properly um, as a console game and um, that's the, the the dream like assumedly that's what we're chasing as like Pokemon fans or something yeah. um, and this is the nearest to it so it's like Scarlet mm -hmm. has that on paper it is a fully open world with no loading quote unquote but, but imagine yeah. if it had the visuals of um, Let's Go Pikachu exactly. remember that game yeah I yeah. love that because that looked really nice mm -hmm. they actually put effort into that <laughs> just didn't since well that's the thing it's like yeah they have, even then they had little spin-off ones like in between like Sword and Shield or whatever but yeah I just I wish they could relax the, the dev side I think there's a general thing if we go back to generational conversations or the industry there is still that problem with turnaround and just mm -hmm. just getting something out there it's like the amount of time you've invested in the r d it just needs to make some money back and i did see that scarlet and violet had the biggest um sales response uh, in franchise history so it's like as well yeah yeah and it's just like that's okay embarrassing man I know, but that's, people so are like annoying. hanging on the idea of it. But even yeah. in the run-up, it looked broken. Like all the trailers yeah. for it looked really terrible. Um, but if a mum goes into a game station or whatever and just like, what do you want, a Pokemon mm -hmm. game? It's just easy to buy, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's true. And I guess they know that's coming around every year. But I think that always happens with annual releases. Like Assassin's Creed had to relax it eventually. Call of Duty's relaxing it, assumedly, if the Xbox deal goes through. Um, and it's like, when does Pokemon completely take like two, three years off? Like that would be great. I would love a Pokemon game with 
three years dev time. Yeah. Like, that could be incredible. Sure. Well, I'm not a Pokemon fan, but I do think that the only thing that will stop the annualization and give Game Freak a little more time is Catastrophe. And I don't <laughs> want Catastrophe yeah. to happen because it's not fun for the people who get caught in the fallout mm. of that. But if you look at the franchises that you guys have mentioned there, it took Catastrophe for Assassin's Creed to get yeah. completely rebooted with yeah. the mess that was Unity becoming the laughing stock of an entire generation. Mm -hmm. It took Catastrophe for Call of Duty to get to a point where it needed to kind of take some time off as well because yes, while the sales of that game in the critical reception might not have completely tanked, like internally, like studios were essentially oh, falling yeah. apart. If you read the reports, like they weren't getting on collaborating together. Pretty much Activision was relying on Treyarch to come in and salvage all of these games, which meant that the development of their own games was being impacted. And they were on this <laughs> kind of like mad crunch uh, for years and years. If you dive into those reports, which are absolutely fascinating. Like if you look at W, WWE 2K22 that oh, took God, a complete yeah. trash fire. Yep, 2K20 to, was the dead sorry, 2K20 yeah. 2022 is actually yeah, good, yeah. but it took them a full year yeah. to like kind of take it off, give it more polish, give it more dev time, and come back stronger. Even like Cyberpunk 2077 became a laughing stock, completely dragged CD Projekt's red name through the muck. They mm. had to take a few years to get that game to where it should be. <laughs> had to release yeah. an entirely different uh, medium with Cyberpunk Edge Runners doing mm. really well to get interest back in the main game like all of these games reach the point where they essentially disgrace their publishers <laughs> and until we get to that point uh or until something completely breaks internally like it did with call of duty i just don't think anything will change because it's still breaking sales records yeah. people are still coming that's the really sad thing is that like down more people than ever have bought this and they bought the worst one like yeah. just if you gave this to someone for their birthday or as an early Christmas present or for Christmas, it's bad. You wouldn't buy another Pokemon after this. Yeah, yeah, and it's just like, and it's you look at it, you look at the way that it, that it plays, and it's the most simplistic game design. Like I, I, I yeah. like love it. Like I'm, I'm a huge Pokemon fan, but you look at a lot of the Pokemon knockoffs, like Temtem or whatever, and they're doing it better. Yeah, and it's just like how how are you not leading the charge? Like your Nintendo, your Game Freak, your Pokemon company. How are you not getting this right? Do you know when you go on YouTube and you type in like Pokemon Unreal Engine demo or yes. whatever like that, and they always look better? Pokemon and God bless you, Scott. Sonic. <laughs> <laughs> Unreal Engine demos, what somebody else has made, are always better than those two franchises, mm. in my opinion. I'll probably back. Oh, well, I really like that. I like. I do like Sonic, even though I know exactly yeah, what you cool, mean. Yeah. It's just that idea of like the at least Sonic has a has a core that is like the performance is there. It's a really liquid. You know, it's a liquid sixty FPS game. You can have fun with like the speed of it and stuff. Pokemon just doesn't have anything. It is literally unfinished. Yeah. Um, it just feels like it was kicked out the door like months and. They have the memories of you growing up, though, don't they? That's well, exactly. The, that's what they've got. Mm -hmm. They've got you collecting all the Pokemon cards when you're younger, so mm. you're obviously going to buy this new game. Well, that's that's another thing. I was talking to uh, Dan Durkin, like, um, who like you know helps out on Star Wars and horror and everything, and he was saying the same thing of there's so many card packs circling around these releases. Like I said, there's a whole industry with this like yeah. game in the middle, and if they don't have that one piece in the middle to turn everything else, um, the rest of it doesn't work, so they have to prioritize just getting it out and figuring it out so later. So if they delay the game, it screws everything else over. Yes, which is why I think it's entirely publisher-based. Um, but, like, but yeah, I mean, like, because I was reading this morning that Nintendo themselves if you ring up Nintendo's HQ or like the technical support, you can get a refund. And um, Nintendo are notoriously 
impossible to get refunds from, but apparently they are just processing refunds for Scarlet and Violet almost immediately because of the, the sheer amount of backlash that there's been. Um, but you were saying about like reaching maximum, you know, bursting at the seams. Yeah. Nintendo won't, like again, notoriously, they don't respond to anything. They don't like address yeah. Twitter mobs. They don't do any of that stuff. Do they change? Is it a West, sorry, Joy. No, it's all right. Is it a Western culture thing to just hate on the devs and like complain to them until they fix it? I think their name is more associated with stuff. If this was a Mario game that was on fire, it would be Nintendo being hoisted for it. Right. But Pokemon and Game Freak are associated. I just think it's just terms of association. Right, okay. I think you guys referring to it as industry is really apt because mm. like you said, the the whole Pokemon sphere, the games, everything else around it, like like you said, cogs within this massive machine. And if one of those stops, the whole thing kind of falls down or at least it disappoints the shareholders and whatnot. Mm. I think Mario, for instance, or Zelda aren't industries mm. in the same way. Obviously incredibly important to Nintendo, but the whole world isn't going to end for Nintendo if one of those games gets delayed. Like, right. we yeah. go so many years between releases and they want to make sure they get it right because mm. if a game is good, it'll sell really well and it will protect their image. But they can, you know, delay that game out of this fiscal year into the next because they have so much other stuff to kind of plug that gap or, mm. or so many other revenue streams that they're not relying on this as it's standing for, like, the industry. Whereas I think if you compare that to the likes of Call of Duty or to even Assassin's Creed back in the day... Yeah. Like, if Call of Duty misses a year, Activision Blizzard publishes, like, four games a year. And if they lose one, that brings them a billion dollars in in that year. They're going to be in the toilet in That's terms of thing. who they answer to. You know what I mean? They can't yeah. afford... It might only seem like, oh, it's just one game delay. But when you publish four games and each makes a billion dollars, mm. you're losing a billion dollars and a quarter of your revenue. So that's why they can't. And I just think that's the business model that can't work. Because then you get to these bottlenecks like this, where it takes something huge for them to say, like, right, we're going to put the brakes on this for a second and mm. actually temper down expectations so we can ramp them back up. And how, like, because that was the whole thing about bringing this up as a, as a conversation point for the generation. Like, I don't know how much you guys thought that this stuff might go away with the turn of the generation. I kind of hoped that it would. I was just like, the amount of different factors that were contributing to it across the entirety of the last generation, you would hope that teams would be able to learn from that, various, like, planning stages or whatever it is, and then you still had the, I mean, I know Cyberpunk goes back long enough, but the likes of Pokemon, there's, like I said, there's no reason that this shouldn't be pristine at this point. Um, and the fact that it's still ongoing, it's just this weird facet of gameplay that, um, or gaming, that those teams that you're mentioning can just do this damage report of like, well, we can just launch it broken, it'll still sell, yeah. and we'll patch it later. And then if anything, there'll be a Twitter, or there'll be a general social media response celebrating the patch. Going, they, they, they fixed it. And it's like, they should have got it right on the day one. Like, that's the most yeah, infuriating part. I do think that development publishers across the globe will just push things as much as they can. And every time we get to one of these bottlenecks, uh, the pressure relieves for a bit, but then it inevitably builds up. Like, mm. after Assassin's Creed Unity, everyone was saying, you know, this can't happen again. And then, to the gaming world's credit, for a few years after that, there was way more focus on polish. You know, mm. it still wasn't perfect. Games were still releasing buggy and sometimes broken, but not to the same disastrous effects of an Assassin's Creed Unity. We got True. a little yeah. bit better. And then it got to the end of that generation where you imagine pressure was building again because suddenly you have to develop with next-gen games in mind. Mm. You know, you've got all of these sequels that are coming out. You've got the expectations higher again. The pressure's building up. Mm. And then we get another break with the likes of Cyberpunk and some of the games that we've had over the last couple of years. And then we're kind of back to square one where we're saying, like, this can't happen again. And I'm sure it won't for a few years again now. <laughs> but then it inevitably will again a yep. little time afterwards because, like I say, man, like, publishers are going to keep pushing and pushing to see what they can get away with Mm. and then the dam will burst, then they'll build another dam, and then they'll push that dam until that bursts. Yeah. It will just keep going because they will not listen and they will never prioritize the quality of a game over raw profits or revenue. 
it just will never ever happen, and that mm. sucks. I think. Um, oh, sorry, Mister Dust. I was going to say. Yes. Did you notice recently that Halo's had its second relaunch? With I was going to say that. Yeah. Um, Forge has just come out for the new Halo. Mm-hmm. It's not even new anymore, is it? It's two years old. <laughs> yeah, well, that's, yeah, that's another thing old. I was going to say. Like that idea of you know one of the um, the proofs in the pudding kind of thing will be uh, Starfield because Bethesda yeah. are notoriously broken. Can they? I mean, there's that. I'm sure Phil Spencer had that line of um, there's something about prioritizing quality for a first party release. Um, I.e., I've had a look at it and it's not great or whatever. And that's me reading between the lines. Um, but it's also Bethesda. But still, um, that idea of now Starfield slash Bethesda are like the tip of the Xbox spear and they need to get it right. And you can't have a people flying. Through the sky, Skyrim glitch in your first party game, um, or whatever. And um, but yeah, Halo. I mean, that's the whole thing. We might as well pivot into how each individual company is doing because um, the state of Xbox, that idea of if you try and reel off Series X games or like next gen, current gen Xbox games, there are so few. Like there are just so very little going on. Um, and even Halo, that idea of you know we'll just kind of put it out and we'll fix it as we go. I don't know if you, you'll keep up with the Twitter and stuff, Dallas. Yeah, 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 but it's like that whole rolling conversation of like we hear you, we're gonna fix it. Okay, God, we broke this, right? Okay, we'll patch that. Yeah. We'll do this. We'll do that. And it's just like one of those like water tanks that keeps springing a leak, and they patch mm-hmm. that, and it bursts over here. Yeah. And it's just like ah, it's sad to watch them. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah, I think yeah, sad's a good word for it. Three four three have upset me as a developer. Right. Just, they just have not done anything right in a long time. Yeah. And I'd love to see them succeed. That's and a weird like the thing for them as well. Seeing, taking it over. Seeing this forge uh, looks unreal because so mm. many people are playing again because of forge, but for the next month and then it dies <laughs> again. Yeah. And then a lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot maybe your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Before we go any further, I want to talk to you about today's sponsor, Masterclass. With the amount of time we spend discussing and analyzing video games on this channel, it's always good to understand exactly how these experiences are put together. And fortunately for me, I can do just that with Masterclass. With Masterclass's streaming service, you can learn from the best to become your best, studying and growing with over 200 plus of the world's leading instructors. For me, I've been having a blast using a class on video game design by The Sims creator Will Wright to find out exactly how game mechanics are designed around player psychology as well as learning how important playtesting is to shipping the titles that you and I both love. But it hasn't stopped there, as I've also been brushing up on my practical filmmaking skills directly from my favourite movie director Martin Scorsese, as well as trying to get back in the cooking game with Roy Choi's amazing course on intuitive cooking. Seriously, my kitchen is a mess, but my belly has never been more grateful. For just $10 a month, an annual membership with Masterclass gets you unlimited access to courses on your phone, computer, smart TV, or even via audio-only modes. 
Even better, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, and 88% of members feel that the service has made a positive impact on their lives. And to put the cherry on top of that cake, right now, what culture gaming listeners get an additional 15% off any annual membership at masterclass.com forward slash gaming. That's 15% off at masterclass.com slash gaming. What's that? You want it one more time? Well, that's the URL masterclass.com forward slash gaming. Right, now I'm going to watch Tony Hawk try to teach me how to ollie properly. I'll see you all soon. That's Halo. We're just going to show this as that's Halo. That's, that's the thing. That, what do they have? The, the Gears isn't out yet. The no. next Gears isn't out. What else do they have? At what least Gears 4 and 5 like have been like technically oh, proficient and solid. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, where's the new one? Why isn't there I mean, I, that's that weird thing that they did where it was like 343 Industries are looking after just Halo. The Coalition yes. are looking after just Gears of War. And then they gave them, um, as Playground Games have got Fable. Yes. Um, but there aren't that many Xbox pillars to maintain. They're trying to build new ones with like Avowed and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I quite like the thing that they've, they've allowed Obsidian to do. Like the likes of Pentiment just came out. Like another 10 out of 10 game from Obsidian. But it's like a little side wing of Obsidian. Um, just sort of experimenting and seeing what they can do. And I think that's that's a nice little identifiable thing. It's never going to sell God of War numbers or no, anything. But, but that side of things, for me personally, has quote-unquote saved Xbox's output this year. Right. Like, when I look at what Xbox has had either on Game Pass Day 1 or has published exclusively, uh, at least in the console space, like, it's been a lot of good stuff. That, yeah. that pertinent, I haven't played, but it's been getting a lot of good reviews. Like I said, Immortality, I have played. It's like my third favorite game of the year. They had games like As Dusk Falls, they've got stuff like Plague Tale that isn't exclusive, but is tied to Game Pass and, mm. you know, justifies your purchase of that subscription every month because you're getting this really highly reviewed game. That's, Tunic you know, Tunic. Scorn. Scorn. Yes, yeah, Scorn. You know I mean, all of these sm- quote-unquote smaller games that aren't going to sell, like you said, the mm. same as a Ragnarok, but will keep players like me playing in their ecosystem in a way that I just wasn't in 2013 and 14, where, yeah, they might have had more first party or second party exclusives. They might have had Rise of the Tomb Raider. They might have mm. had Quantum Break. They might have <laughs> had Halo 5. But Sunset I would Overdrive. take a, an Immortality, a Sunset Overdrive. I would take an Immortality. I would take a Pertinent. I would take a As Dusk Falls, a Scorn. Mm. Over those kind of seven out of ten AAA games like any day of the week with right. the hope that they will then deliver eight, nine out of ten AAA games further on down the line. I think that's been the weirdest thing with them is like taking the, because I was like, obviously, well, all of us grew up playing Xbox, whether it was the original Xbox or the 360 and that insane powerhouse run they had on the 360 that did give way to all the motion control BS that just got so in the way of making big, you know, really good titles um, as that console rolled out. But just as the Xbox One generation was just so naff for them. They just, just stumbled and face-planted the floor over and over and over again. And then it's not that they weren't right overall in terms of trying to make digital libraries available to people and, and do all that stuff, Game Pass and monthly access points and everything. But I had an assumption that across the last generation, they were planning for this gen in terms of like coming out the gates with like a whole r- r- bunch of games and whatever else. And we just haven't seen it. Like the things that have been identifiable um, or recognizable as like Xbox traits for the last two years are just acquisitions. Like the yeah. thing that's on- yeah. ongoing right now is buying more games rather than making them from scratch. Like, you know, Xbox Game Studios doesn't really do anything. They just, their logo comes up before the developer that they've bought. Um, and that whole thing about doing uh, Keystone, which was going to be their sort of streaming box, which apparently now has been shelved because they said it was going to be too expensive um, for the components they were going to put in. Um, but Phil Spencer in that same recent interview where they said the Keystone's being shelved, um, said that all the resources will go towards the Xbox streaming app. So it seems like their future is having an Xbox app on your TV or whatever. Well, so they're not making that device anymore? No, the Keystone is shelved. I 
he's done is done. Um, but still, that idea of the future being streaming, the idea of like, you know, if they can get there first, they can be the next Netflix. And I, I get that business reality. Um, and I do say, like, we've always say, like, <laughs> Here we go. the thing about the Xbox Game Pass literally is the best um, value for money in gaming. It just is. Yeah. But at some point, you need something eye-catching to get you to buy it. You do. And and I, maybe I, you don't. I think, I think you do. I mean, look at the response earlier this year when it was, you know, announced that Game Pass wouldn't have, like, a AAA exclusive mm. for the rest of the year. And people <laughs> were like, maybe I'll start cancelling my subscription because I don't want all of these indie games, which is totally fair. Like, yeah. if you're just in the gaming space to play, like, the blockbuster titles and that's what you got Game Pass for, mm. that's ultimately what you, get, what you got Game Pass for. Yeah, if yeah. you don't get that... Thing that you invested in, then yeah, by all means, cancel and stuff. And I think Phil Spencer, like I said before, has even admitted the fact that they've kind of dropped the ball in terms of having those blockbuster titles punctuate Game Pass, mm-hmm. even in the way it did last year with Halo Infinite, which might not have been great, but it was, it was there. But it was there. <laughs> and Forza Horizon 5, which was, in my opinion, great and was there and was justifying your purchase alongside the indies. Yes, they haven't had that this year, but I'm hoping that that wasn't kind of an issue with Microsoft, but rather just an issue where the game with the gaming industry in general because mm. I mean how many of the major games this year have been pushed to 2023 oh, you look yeah, at totally. March and February next year and it's absolutely stacked like at a certain point it was just the reality of what all developers across the board are working with mm-hmm. as opposed to what Microsoft is specifically lacking I think mm-hmm. yeah are they all coming out in... So what, what's Starfield? Is that May? It's... I don't think it has an official release, it but yet? it's early... Just, yeah, nothing specific. Right, yeah, it's okay. like early spring 2023 right, okay. is the is the idea at the moment. Because yes. didn't they say... Was it Microsoft who said that they wanted an exclusive every three months? Yes. Was that them? That, that was, was the initial yeah. plan, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That, uh, no. No. <laughs> I mean, I guess <laughs> like certain... They might be, if they ever had to get legal about it, they would just skew it as like, well, you know, it's like a third-party thing that we have for like a bit on the console, yeah. timed exclusive maybe... Um, or whatever. Like, there are things that are, like, Signalis is, like, a really phenomenal survival, old-school survival horror game that, I, as far as I know, is only on Xbox. Uh-huh. Uh, it might be on PC, but they could they could swing it that way of, like, console exclusives. Well, Sony have done that, though, haven't they? A big mm. exclusive every three months or so. Yes. Uh, yeah, I mean, I guess, like, well, they've definitely got way more out there in general, yeah. like, even the likes of Stray or whatever the hell they've got that uh, punctuates their library. Yeah. But it's just, like, yeah, I mean, like, I guess, uh, Dallas, what do you think of the overall, like, the feeling around Xbox? Oh, I don't know, man. It's, <laughs> it's rough, isn't it? I enjoy that I can play all the games on the PC. That is a great addition mm. because that is a brand new audience merged in. Mm-hmm. So even if Xbox fails, it's not going to because PC exists. Do you think uh, that kind of like ties in with, like, does that feel like to you Xbox is almost more, it almost already is like an app thing because it's like I'm booting up like the Xbox oh, yeah, yeah, collection. Yeah, yeah. yeah as opposed yeah. to thinking it like a platform. The fact that I own an Xbox but don't. It's, right. quite, mm, it's yeah. quite interesting. It is just an app. Mm-hmm. And um, as you were saying then with streaming, streaming works unreal with xCloud. Right. Is that what it's called now? or It's just called Xbox Game Streaming. Oh, right? is it? Right, yeah. okay. That Gotta works get that SEO terms. Way better than the PlayStation streaming does. God, yeah. um, so maybe in the future that'll be worth it, but that needs a fresh game just for streaming because mm. why would you ever get streaming? It's like yeah. Google Stadia, that failed because that didn't have an exclusive game. Mm. Right, yeah. Xbox has the library and I think like yeah the way that they do the whole thing where your controller is like directly tethered to the server or something there's a whole thing about how they minimize input lag so even if the feed dips it still feels responsive and that lets them um, games just feel better than they do for me on PlayStation anyway I went back to the original God of War after playing Ragnarok that thing did not run very well at all (laughs) it was like watching like a little VCR tape it was just like this is absolutely horrendous I've been doing that with the Ratchet and Clank games Mm. because they've all come onto PS4 
Plus or whatever it's called now. I got really happy when they said they were bringing stuff, add, actually adding anything to the premium tier. Yeah. Oh, they're all streaming. Oh, oh James Dow's streaming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've reminded me, Terrible. I was looking at the PlayStation Plus library the other day, and I noticed that they've added the first remake for the first Resident Evil game. I downloaded it. Get Get in. I'm so pleased. I deleted the PS1 that I was playing, PS1 version, playing the GameCube version. You know instead. what? I think that's fair. You know, it hurts a little bit, but you've downloaded <laughs> an exceptional game there. You guys told me to do that. I, well, well <laughs> that sounds like something we would do. That does sound like to do that. I would do. You know what? <laughs> you know what? I'll take it. I'll take it. No, but um, recently they added all the Ratchet and Clans. They added Skyrim, the new uh, special edition Skyrim. So yeah. we're playing that as well. I don't know why. This is good. If we're talking about just, yeah, I mean, I've talked loads before. I think that premium tier sucks. Like, I think it the first, first two is great. Premium is abysmal. Uh-huh. Like, it's just an insult. Well, like, why I am I played Roller Dome Drome. Roller Drome. Roller Drome is a thing. Yes. I played the trial for that, and that made me want to buy it. Yeah. I didn't buy it. Game trials are cool. Yeah. I just, uh, that whole thing, uh, the way they marketed it. If you're going to go anywhere near the idea of monetizing your own PlayStation legacy, you can do a hell of a lot better than just six <laughs> streaming Ratchet and Clank games. It's <laughs> effing insulting, and I hate it. <laughs> yeah. I just can't. Every time I look at that, it's, it, it annoys me. Yeah. I... You've got to force a smile because you paid for it. Yes, and it's just like, but it's the idea of it. It's like we give, we'll give you Tekken Two, and we'll give you like, oh, here's Jumping Flash. I'm like, are you are you kidding? Like, yeah. are you actually kidding? We need a lot more than they give. Yeah. yeah, we need a lot more. I'll give you that, especially when it comes to PlayStation One and PlayStation Two classics. Yeah. I want more. But I'm, I'm the defender, man. I'm here, oh, no, over I'm here, <laughs> defending PlayStation Plus Premium because I still think you get a lot of good stuff in the PlayStation Now, or formerly PlayStation Now streaming service. I still really like, Scott, you mentioned there about going back to mm. playing the original God of War. And I, I, I feel like an old man talking about my <laughs> memories at this point. But I have a lot of good memories of playing through, of being able to play through the PlayStation uh, versions of God of War 1, 2, and 3, mm. getting to enjoy that franchise in a way that I couldn't if I didn't have this service. And PlayStation Premium scratches that itch for me, but I totally get, especially when it comes to the classics, that's it's like, why isn't there more? Why aren't you dropping you know, all of the Siphon Filter games at yeah. once? Why aren't you dropping Tekken 3 on there when yes. you've got Tekken 2? Like, there are, there are bigger missions and definitely things they can... It just feels like an afterthought. It feels like, well, Game Pass has some old stuff, and the Xbox game library is brilliant. Like, I mean, like that. And if you literally search for really old stuff, everything from Full Spectrum Warrior to um, you know Dead to Rights or whatever, the really old random game, Sonic Fighters is on there. Like, just random stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> someone who bought the entire Sonic everything, and <laughs> um, but everything is on there. And it's like I feel like they wanted to compete with that, and then they've done the most half-assed, half-baked version. You know what? Go on, sorry. I was gonna say, but man, on the not to just make this PlayStation Plus versus Game Pass because mm. I do think Game Pass wins, but on PlayStation Plus, you can get Star Wars Bounty Hunter on there. You can get... <laughs> and Racer. And Star Wars Racer. Racer. Yeah. They're all on Xbox too. Uh, Are they? Um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, upscale... Tobias in Game Pass. Well, are you talking uh, part of the library? Yeah, part of oh, the library. Okay. As far as I know, they're not on Game Pass. Yeah, yeah. not you backwards compat. I'm on about like part of the library. I see, I see, and I see. what I mean as well is sometimes I feel like we say, but they're on Game Pass. Forgetting that not everyone is like us and owns both machines. No. You know what I mean? It's still a plus if it's on Game Pass because if you only own the PlayStation, you still want what the other side's got without just, having to buy a new console. Yeah, totally. I was comparing libraries. I was comparing the ability to buy a thing from a digital storefront. Like, right. obviously, you get certain wings of that as part of PlayStation Plus. Um, but the ability to buy those old games is on the wider Xbox marketplace. Mm-hmm. You can still yes. you can still buy those old things. Do you know what the worst thing is? The user interface of PS Premium. <laughs> uh, yeah. Because you cannot find, like, God of no. War 1, 2, 
two uh, ascension are, are not in order. Mm, Other no. wars at the top of the list, twos at the bottom of the list. It's it's awful. It's really, it really bad. Yeah, bad. It's really badly put together. And so you can click on the plus symbol off the XMB, then try and yes. find stuff, but it's not. Yeah, there's that whole thing. I like I said, I paid the top tier for it. I hate it. it no, go I was going to say, <laughs> right, I got in such a good mood playing Toy Story 2. There he did. Right, and then Toy Story 3 came up on the service. I was like, you know what? Fair enough. It came out PS3, I think it was. And I was like, yes. I'll have a go with that. Downloaded it. Turns out it's the PSP version. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Why was it the PSP version? I played about 10 minutes of it before I realized that it was the PSP. Because it looked quite good for the whatever. Sony has that overall where it'll be like, do you want to download the PS4 version? No. Yeah. Why would I? I've got the PS5. Like, how can you not it's tell what I want? scattered as well with PS4, PS4 slash 5 version or PS5 version. There's 20 options for one game. Yeah. Like, just oh the way that Xbox God. does it, where it's like, we know what console you have. Yeah. Here's the best one. Just hit the button and play it. Hey, like, if we're talking about, like, you know, generational disappointments at this point in time, why is video game u- user interface across <laughs> the board gotten so bad? Like, you like a mouse to, cursor? Oh, my yeah. God. Trying to play through Modern Warfare 2 and oh, just trying no. to navigate the menus in that game <laughs> is nightmarish. It's like I've slipped into a prison in my own mind. It's that bad. It's like I've heard a lot of rumors that they might have gotten, like, the designer of Hulu's interface, so they're trying to make it more like right. a television Who's app. Who's that? Exactly. Oh, I don't yeah. know. I should have done more research. Eh? <laughs> uh, but it's so evident that they're trying to kind of make a gaming user interface across the board, like mimic other apps that you might have on your smart TV. And it's yeah. like, no, that no. feels so bad for a game. Even then, tile interfaces on smart TVs or like on a Windows phone or whatever, you tap the exact thing you want. You're not piloting a cursor around. Like, I just yeah, hate yeah. that. All the like, hold the button on it stuff. Like, just but there's also. So extremely boring, like the Nintendo Switch. That's <laughs> yeah. so boring. Like on the Wii or Wii U, it, used to, it was like a TV shopping channel, wasn't it? With so, all those yeah, things. it was very animated. It was so cool, and, music yeah. and all that. And the Switch is dull. There's no background I remember when the, or anything like that. When the eShop launched, there was all that energy around 2017 when the Switch launched. It was like, well, the, the, it's the first crack at a UI. They haven't done a, a proper hardcore console in a while because they're coming off the Wii and the Wii U. And uh, they'll get better. This is the first version of the eShop and they'll get there. No. Yeah, like the eShop, the longer you spend on the eShop, the more it chugs. And <laughs> The more deals they try and show you, the more it more it chugs. Like it can't display more than like ten lines of tiles. Um, that thing is an absolute S show to be uh, to be nice. Microsoft Store on the PC, like to buy mm. Xbox, that's also abysmal. None right. of them are good. I don't know which one is the best. Shop. In general, though, I back like just in general what Josh said that like just UIs have just what the hell? What have we done? Like I mean, like trying to make stuff is this weird. Like, well, we'll design one UI for the PC, the mobile, and the game console, and then it's just you can, maybe that's easier on the dev side to just map that to a touchpad or something. Maybe, but, but it's not good for the console. Why side. wouldn't you make the shop the best user interface ever? Yeah. Because that's the thing you want them to spend time on. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, that's, and it should be full of recommendations. That should yeah. be like, hey, you unlock this achievement. This points towards something that's more difficult or timing based. Maybe you would like this game. Like, just there's so much more they could do with all that data. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's the whole thing just to round off the PlayStation stuff. And we'll get close to wrapping the pod too. Um, is all the PlayStation Star stuff, which like um, I don't know if you see much of this stuff. Uh, it appeared as an icon, but then disappeared. Yeah, so you could, if you go on the PlayStation app, you can tap on this little number that will yeah. be next to your name. It's your PlayStation Stars level. Um, and it seemed to be this idea of you play games, you get trophies, and you would get little collectibles for whatever the trophies were. But so far, they've not done anything other than a handful of random chimps from Apescape, <laughs> or Apes, I should say. But there was a whole thing doing the rounds that that entire thing started as an NFT marketplace because Sony have patented... Um, it was like some um, piece of text, some, some code that lets them track um, ostensibly NFT NFT stuff. 
Um, I did write down the specific thing, and I don't have the quote for it, but point being <laughs> that they did patent a thing um, in regards to NFTs, and it makes sense. I remember someone in one of the comments or whatever on Twitter just saying, is that why they're all apes? Because the bored ape is the NFT thing. And I was like, oh my God, is, were they trying to get in on that? And then when NFTs fell apart, they just kind of were left with this weird husk of a system that is not on the PlayStation 5 or 4 dashboard. It's just on the, on the app. It's just there if you want to... Like, it's nothing. Like, what the hell are you guys doing? I'm going to... I know everyone al already says that I'm a Sony fanboy anyway, but I'm going to come in and defend <laughs> them now if we're you talking about... You headset off, my friend. <laughs> <laughs> if we're talking about, like, how has the first two years gone for the companies? Yes, Sony has made a lot of strange mistakes. Yeah. They've done things and released things that could have been a little bit better. But as a two-year stint... I do think they're head and shoulders above the competition. There is a reason that every single time we do these two-year check-ins, mm. I personally always default to just thinking about their games <laughs> because they've only really been the publisher and console maker and the, the developer with real propulsion behind them. You know, right from the start, it had an incredibly uh, strong launch lineup with the likes of Demon Souls, with the likes of, uh, well, later on, Returnal, which I still stand by being one of the games of the generation. Decade. You would. Going into this year, they've had, like, I think this year is really underrated for them. Like, they've taken a lot of crap this year, perhaps rightly mm, so yeah. for a lot of things, and they mm. haven't had much of a presence in terms of presentations. But the games they've dropped have been hugely successful and mostly well-regarded. You know, at the start of the year, we had Gran Turismo 7, we had Horizon Forbidden mm. West, we've just had God of War Ragnarok, we That's had The Last of friend. Us Part 1, we had Stray. Like, we've <laughs> Are they had all not sequels? So if you didn't like the first one, it's true, but it's, it's, ah, James, James House, <laughs> you get into a weird thing then, because it's like, if you don't like God of War 2018, you that's know, on you, I think. And if you don't like Horizon, fair enough, you might yeah. not like him, but I think there's still at least enough there that they have released, yeah. you know, a big racing game, a big open world mm. game, a big narrative game, a big cat, cat game, yeah, yeah, yeah. and a yeah. remake <laughs> of one of the most beloved games of all time, and they've all done pretty well. Plus, yeah. if we're talking generationally, you've got Returnal, you've got, yep. well, you've got Destruction All-Stars, they were trying something. Ratchet and Clank. Ratchet and Clank's phenomenal, Clank. yeah. Top three, I'd say exclusives of this generation so far? I wouldn't Pretty say much. it, yeah. but I would let you have it. Yeah. I wouldn't come well, and argue about it. What would you say it. is the top three of the generation then? Am I doing complete, well, anything so far? Exclusives. PlayStation exclusive? No, just any, whatever you want. So you got to be <laughs> Halos, you got to be Pokemons, but no cross. Oh, because you couldn't have Elden Ring. No. Well, I would probably just say God of War then, but that's PlayStation exclusive, yeah. not play PS5 exclusive. If it's PS5 exclusive, I'd have to go Returnal. Oh, I, oh. I, I don't even like just you to say that. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. You planted the seed, I'll grow the tree. But I, that's, yeah, I'm not, I, don't, I, I hate my time with Returnal. But I can acknowledge that it's Scott, a hell of a thing. You hate Returnal? You've never mentioned Yeah, this. I just thought I should let you know. What? I, I know, I've been silent on it for so long. Um, but yeah, we were going to talk about Nintendo, and I think we should wrap the pod. We'll do a whole thing. We've got plenty more pods for the end of the year. Um, and we can dive in on Nintendo stuff. Plus, to be honest, like I said at the start, PlayStation's dominated everything because the most stuff has happened with them. Mm -hmm. um, on the Nintendo side, they released the OLED Switch last year, um, but they largely sat out last year. I mean, there was very little going on other than Metroid Dread and the Bowser's Fury add-on, Monster Hunter Rise, and the Skyward Sword HD, which is one of the worst ways to spend your time on this earth, to be honest. Like, Ooh. you guys will, you know, know <laughs> way more than me about their, of what they have achieved over the past two years. But for me personally, just as, you know, someone who tries to keep up, but often and fails to keep up with everything that comes out. <laughs> like, I haven't touched my Switch in a long time, and right. it's not that yeah. there hasn't been games that have intrigued me. You know, Metroid Dread. Kirby's right there, man. Kirby will never get played because <laughs> he's a little weird freak. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, they have it. released games, but none of them have kind of landed with as much a, a big impact 
or a, a big enough impact to make me dust the system off mm. and you know play it over a, my PlayStation Five or over my Xbox Series X. Just oh. wait for Tears of the Kingdom. Well, well that's gonna go. be it, right? Yeah. That's it. But uh, that's next I, year. I've been waiting for Tears uh, of the Kingdom, James. <laughs> House is the thing. See, next year, I think uh, Nintendo will have a repeat of 2017. It will just be class mm. from beginning to end. Uh, Zelda two, basically Mario Odyssey two. You got the Mario movie, so I assume oh. they they got Ma- Ma- Mario Day is March 10th. So it's like you get another exactly. trailer. Maybe you get a new Mario game announcement. It's about time. Um, yeah, I think that this year they've uh, absolutely slayed it, like Xenoblade Chronicles and Kirby, and Splatoon 3 is, like, phenomenal. Mm-hmm. So it's like, they're getting there, but they're, they're quite slow and steady. They're sort of like the indie machine. I play my Switch every day, um, a mix of things, but I feel like they're the indie. They're, they're where, they are where I get the indies that I can't get anywhere else. I'll tell you this. Sorry, I'm just going to say, I think Game Pass has killed the Switch Ooh. for me because the indies that I would usually pick up the Switch yeah, to play, right. you know, Undertale, uh, Night in the Woods, Detention, or whatever, like, often... Nine times out of ten, mm. I can get those indies on my Xbox in better quality for free on Game Pass. So the reason I used to pick up the Switch more than I do now mm. is almost eliminated by the yeah. existence of Game Pass. To some degree. I think, yeah, the likes of, like, Neon White and Elekhead, like, there are still stuff this year that are great little... Neon White is, like, just like such a gorgeous, perfect game. And, like, that would be something that would have benefited from the Game Pass crowd because it's such a first-person puzzle thing. I feel like people would have dove into that because of the Xbox fan of first-person shooters or whatever. Um, but, yeah, it just where we are two years in, I was going to talk about Nintendo, and then we talked about Nintendo. <laughs> um, but still, like, overall, if we talk about games of the generation, if I go with God of War... Actually, that's the thing. What do we think the game of the generation is? Is that just an Elden Ring? It's of an sheer Elden Ring, I think. Dropping in the two-year time, uh, the time window. So a cross-platform one is uh, Elden Ring. I think that kind of has to be Elden Ring. exclusive to a console is God of War, would you say? For me, it is. Even though I don't like that because I wish there was a PlayStation 5 exclusive I could really get yeah. behind. Um, what would you guys have for your game of the generation? I want to go top three, if mm. you will permit me. Very I'm going to go Elden Ring, yep. and I'm going to go God of War Ragnarok, yeah. and I am going to go Returnal. And then in fourth place, I'm going to have Immortality, because I need to mention <laughs> that one more time before yeah. this podcast ends. As well, you should, James Stiles. Um I would say Returnal. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, oh my oh, God, what a stressful, on... stressful situation. <laughs> Elden Ring, God of War, uh, Returnal, and Ratchet and Clank. Very nice. Ooh. I love Ratchet and Clank. Yeah. Um, but yes, for what's now, yours? what's yours? What's yours? Well, I said mine's God of War. If I was going to well, do, no, give us a top three. Oh, top three. Oh, top three. oh my God, I want to think about it more. Um, <laughs> I definitely, I'm doing a weird thing with my arms, but they'll never see this on the podcast. Um, in the face. It's true. Mine's definitely. Um, it's definitely God of War. I just that's obviously PlayStation exclusive, so I have to go with that. Yeah. I do want to give a shout out to Neon White because of just how complex and stuff it is. I feel like I'm forgetting something from last Kirby. year. Kirby, Kirby I love, but it wouldn't be in my top three. I love okay. Metroid Dread. I thought that was just very pristinely put mm-hmm. together. Um, so I'd have to think about it more. But yeah, let's go with them wow. for now. Can and I, I'll regret it later. It's definitely Elden Ring. Can I change my answers? No. no. Top. I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah. Top, The Last of Us remake. Second, <laughs> Death Stranding, the director's We're in this podcast. Oh, Sonic Remastered is, James. is the game of the year. We'll catch you next week. Also, I'm Scott Brown, that's James Stiles. Bye. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health-monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.